Amen. Thanks, guys. Great thought. Great song. Great job. I'm glad that when you're a Christian, that everything that happens in your life must first flow through the loving hands of your Father in heaven. Amen. God always has a purpose and plan. Go ahead, please, if you would, get in your Bible to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, there should be one near you. It has got a hard black cover. We will be on page 795. Uh, I have a phone in my Bible. I have a uh, phone in my Bible. I have a Bible on my phone. I have the Bible on my computer. I use uh, some sort of an electronic version of the Bible all the time. I strongly recommend you also have a paper Bible that you mark and highlight and underline and make it a road map of your walk with Christ. I think it will bless you to do so for many months now. On Sunday mornings, we have been talking about things Jesus exclusively said to his disciples. We're very near the end of this series. I've spent a lot of time now already praying and working on our next Sunday morning series. It will be called Great Truths Written with Simple Words. We'll begin that, Lord willing, in the next few weeks. Uh, But before we get to that, on occasion, Jesus, of course, spoke to uh, people who did not believe. Uh, Some of those who did not believe on him listened because they were interested. Others who uh, listened to him uh, listened to find fault. Most of the time when we read what the New Testament records of Jesus' words, it is uh, a mixture of those who did not believe, along with his disciples in a crowd that he was teaching, but on occasion... Jesus spoke exclusively to those who already believed, those who wanted to learn of him. The word disciple just means learner. And uh, I don't know about you, I think it's true for the most part here this morning. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you're like me, and you'd like to hear what he has to say to his disciples. Uh, Jesus is a changeless Savior. Hebrews says of him, uh, I am the Lord, I change not in Malachi. And then in Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so you can be sure, if he said something to his disciples 2,000 years ago, if the circumstances were similar, he would say it to you and I today as well. Last Sunday morning, we talked about Jesus telling his disciples not to be surprised if the world hated them. And because our expectations greatly shape how happy we are with the same thing, uh, Jesus made sure his disciples understood that following him and taking his message to their world would mostly not be appreciated. In fact, he told them that they would be hated by many and persecuted uh, for their faith and their stand uh, for the morals of our Creator. And we reminded ourselves that we're not failing just because the world rejects us or our message. But we reminded ourselves also that we need to be sure we're suffering for Christ's sake rather than for our own faults or our own sins or our own lack of character. Which brings us to this morning's thought. There are a lot of people who seem to believe that they should just speak their mind if what they have to say is true. You know, some true things we should keep to ourselves because silence helps someone more than hearing the truth at that moment. Now, as a person who attempts to lead my home and attempts to lead God's people here, uh, I really struggle sometimes to know whether I should 
approach someone here or someone in my family about some truth or remain silent. Because sometimes it's better to remain silent. In fact, if you're somebody who thinks that you need to say whatever's on your mind just because it's true, and let me just say, uh, you will have very few healthy relationships until you learn when to speak up and when to shut up. You may or may not believe this, but there are true things I don't say to my family. There are true things I don't say to you here at Bible Baptist Church because my goal is to speak the truth when I'm supposed to and to remain silent when remaining silent is better for you. In fact, it's actually pride that causes someone to think they have the right to correct everyone and anyone. I can't tell you how many horror stories I've heard of someone going through a difficult time in their marriage and then some person in the church coming up to them who doesn't know anything about the situation coming up and telling them what to do. Uh, I don't know whether I should say stay in your lane or shut up, but both are good. Did you know Jesus Himself established a principle that counterbalances always saying what's on our mind because it's true? By the way, I'm not talking about lying instead of speaking the truth. Lying is a sin regardless of what we consider to be a good motive for that lie. I'm talking about considering whether telling someone the truth is about us or is it about helping them. See, sometimes people aren't ready to hear the truth at that moment. There's a story told about a man who cut his large shade tree down because he was just frankly tired of picking up the sticks and raking the leaves every fall. But in the yard next door over the years a neighbor had planted several kinds of flowers that were thriving in the shade of that tree. She had the most beautiful begonias and impatience in the neighborhood growing in that shade. And unfortunately with the tree gone her shade loving plants withered and died. This poor green thumb lady who loved her flowers, she was upset with a neighbor, even though it was his tree. She told her husband how angry and hurt she was because her flowers had died, and he smiled and looked her in the eyes, and he said, get over it, they're just flowers. He regretted telling his wife the truth. His wife wasn't ready to hear that, nor did he need to say it. But they were just flowers. And she did eventually need to get over it. But you know what? Sometimes silence is helpful for the people around us instead of truth. If you're able to stand, stand this morning, please, and honor the Word of God. Tell them I thought this morning, what did Jesus have to say to His disciples? I will load, but never overload you. I will load but never overload you. John chapter 16, we begin in the Word of God in verse 12. Jesus here says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. And He will shew you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall shew it unto you. Thank you. you might be seated.
I hope since this is our eighth thought from Jesus' last conversation with His disciples that you recognize the setting by now for this text. Though the disciples were not aware of it, it would be their last night with Jesus. They would, in a few short hours, watch Him be beaten and crucified in a terrible abuse of Roman and Jewish power. Unlike them, Jesus was aware of what was just around the corner, both for Him and them, and He was preparing them for what would happen next, as well as preparing them for the time when He would return to heaven to the right hand of His Father. And He and His disciples, by this particular time in that conversation, they had finished up what they had done and spoke of in the upper room, and they were, by this time, walking to the Garden of Gethsemane outside the city of Jerusalem. By this time, he had been with them for three or three and a half years, and over the course of that time, he'd said some things that were true that were very difficult to hear. He had said that they couldn't be his disciple if they did not take up their cross and follow him. He had said that they needed to seek God and the kingdom of God and God's righteousness first, instead of seeking other things first in life. He had told them that they needed to love their enemies, to pray for them that persecuted them. He told them that they needed to forgive those who sinned against them or failing to do so would hinder God forgiving them. Those things, as well as other things that he had said over those years were tough to hear, but even though those truths loaded them, they did not overload them because he knew they were ready to hear them and needed to hear them. Some things Jesus had said that night were difficult to hear. But Jesus said them because they were ready to hear those truths. That night He had told them He was going away and that they couldn't come with Him at that time. He had told them that one of them would betray Him. That night He had told them that if they loved Him, they would keep His commandments. He had told them that every believer who bore fruit, would be purged by God so that it would bring forth even more fruit. Those truths, as well as other things He said that night, were tough to hear, but Jesus knew they were ready to hear and needed to hear those truths. But there were some things, some true things, that Jesus did not tell them because they weren't ready to hear them. Did you catch that in verse 12? He says, I have yet many things to say unto you but you cannot bear them now. It didn't mean that they weren't true. It didn't mean that they didn't need to hear them. What it meant was they were not ready or open or prepared or mature enough to hear them at that moment, so He didn't tell them. You see, the apostles who were there that night, they had an emotional and a spiritual load limit that Jesus was careful not to exceed with the truth He gave them. You see, even these great and faithful men at that moment couldn't stand to hear everything that was true. And so Jesus refrained from telling them some things that night. You see, Jesus considered not just the fact that He had truth to tell, He also considered the people to whom He was speaking to be sure that He spoke the truth when it would help them. Notice Jesus then promises that the Holy Spirit would tell them all the true things they were not yet ready to hear. Verse 13, He says, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. 
For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will shew you things to come. Now, there's a lot to that particular statement. See, theologically speaking, Jesus is personally authorizing the New Testament. That would not be written until later, given to us by the Spirit or through the Spirit and through the apostles and other authors of the New Testament. But as we think about this statement Jesus makes about their future, He makes sure that they understand that the ministry of the Holy Spirit would not be focused on the Holy Spirit, but rather on Jesus, on glorifying Him. That's what He says in verse 14. He, that is the Holy Spirit, He will glorify Me. For He shall receive of Mine and shall shew it unto you. Hey, Jesus is the only Savior. Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah. Jesus died for our sins on the cross and rose again from the dead after three days. It was Jesus who makes forgiveness and eternal life available for all who believe. And you can mark it down any ministry that claims to be a biblical ministry that is more focused on the Holy Spirit than it is focused on Jesus is out of focus. The focus of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is on Jesus, on making Him known. But that statement Jesus made isn't just a theological statement. There's also a practical aspect of it as well. And for our thought this morning, this is Jesus not giving His disciples more truth than they were able to bear at that time. He was guarding their load limit, making sure He didn't overload them. These were sincere believers. They were godly men. These were probably the most mature and best informed followers of Jesus at the time. And hear me when I say, even they couldn't take everything Jesus had to say. Now most of you were not here at that time, but 16 and a half years ago after we started Bible Baptist Church, one of the early series I had plans was a series on hard sayings in the Bible. And I spent a lot of time preparing several weeks of messages, and I got four or five weeks into that, and do you know what I did? I decided that it was too hard for me to hear all those hard sayings, and it was too hard for you to hear all those hard sayings, and so I stopped doing that. Every one of them were true. But just because something is true, it doesn't mean we need to speak it if it doesn't help the person to whom we're speaking. There were true things that would have overloaded the disciples that night. And so Jesus loaded them with truths that were difficult to hear, but he did not overload them with truths they were not ready to hear. Hear me this morning when I say if there were truths the apostles were not ready to hear, there are some truths today that children, teens, and adults are not yet ready to hear because hearing them would overload them. As we begin to think about this, it certainly sounds like this idea of saying everything to anyone just because what we have to say is true is not a good idea. It's certainly not how Jesus handled his disciples. Did you know Jesus didn't always correct everyone around him? Did you know that if he ever corrected anyone, he not only had the authority to correct them, but he was always right in what he would have corrected. See, everybody will answer to God for 
everything they think and say and do and fail to do. But understand, that's at judgment day. Today, it's not like that yet. Today, as in the days of Christ, God is patiently working with people, starting where they are and giving them whatever truths they need to take their next steps in their walk of faith. Parents have been placed by God in the lives of their children to correct and discipline them. But if any parent thinks that means you must immediately correct every immaturity and every error, and every error you'll misuse your authority. Pastors have been placed by God in the lives of those He has placed in each assembly of believers. But any pastor who thinks that means he must immediately correct every immaturity and every error will misuse his authority. By the way, some of you, you get mad at me. I don't know why pastor doesn't fix that. A, I might not know about it. And maybe if you were a little humbler, you might decide, you know what? Maybe there's more to this story than I know. But that would take humility. God has placed spiritually minded and knowledgeable believers in every healthy body of Christ. But if they think that means they must immediately correct every immaturity and every error, they will misuse their influence. Why did Jesus teach the disciples about being servants instead of rebuking them for arguing over who would be greatest? Why did Jesus remain silent when both of the thieves on the cross railed on Him for a while and didn't speak up until one of them repented? Why did Jesus remain silent on the cross as His adversaries said, hey, if you're the Christ, come on down. He didn't correct every error and every immaturity around Him. He was the Christ. He was God manifest in a flesh. And He knew that at times some things needed to be corrected. And He knew at other times some things needed to be overlooked. Because it wasn't time. And if the perfect Son of the living God considered what truths people were able to hear, then we should too. Now, practically applying this is very difficult. And I, as I said earlier, I personally struggle knowing when I should personally remain silent and when I should speak up. And when I preach the Bible and teach the Bible, here it's a lot easier because I just simply take a section of the Scriptures that I believe the Lord would have me address, and I just preach what the Bible says and apply it and leave it up to the Holy Spirit for you to take whatever part of that message is the part for you. And by the way, understand that some parts of this message God intended to be for you, other parts of this message He intended to be for someone else. When it comes to personal conversations, unlike preaching and teaching the Scriptures to everyone, I know I'm not supposed to speak up about everything. I'm not supposed to speak up about everything I believe to be true to my wife, to our grown sons or their families or individuals here. And so I don't try to. Instead, and you can be disappointed all day long, just add it to the reasons you're disappointed in me. Listen, instead of feeling like I always have the right to speak whatever truth is on my mind, I always try to think, 
Should I address this or should I be silent? Am I the person to address that or should it be someone else? Will it help them if I speak up? Or will it help them more if I remain silent? You see, truths we don't want to hear always load us and they are always hard to hear, but we should keep truths that overload others to ourselves. Now, some of you come on Sunday mornings, you might feel like, wow, you know what, Brother Wally drops enough heavy truth bombs on us on Sunday mornings. And others of you come here and think, wow, you know what, I like coming back on Sunday nights better because Brother Wally drops deeper and more serious spiritual truths then. But whatever it is, I'm glad you're here. And God has something to say to everybody that's here. Let me ask you, are you someone who thinks that just because you have something true to say, that you have an obligation to say it? Now, some people speak too little truth, and others speak too much. You overload the people around you. Let me ask you, do you pay attention to whether it's a good time to tell someone the truth, or do you just blurt it out as if timing didn't matter? See, some people, you think any time is a good time to tell people the truth. That's not true. There's a time, a place, and a tone that adorns truth. Do you ever consider whether speaking that truth is really just about you, or is it about helping the person to whom you're speaking? See, Jesus spoke truths people needed to hear when they were able to bear hearing them. He loaded but did not overload them. Now myself, I've never been to New York City. I don't have any particular interest in going there, but I have seen a lot of pictures of Times Square. And I'm told that if you stood in Times Square and you slowly turned while counting every ad on every doorway, cab, bus, billboard, light pole, building, sandwich board, hawker, and flyer, there would be over 500 messages on display at once. And so me, as a novice in New York City, standing there, I would be on information overload. It is the truth that sets people free, but sometimes people can go on truth overload if we try to give them truth at times when they're not ready to receive it. And Jesus made himself clear and spoke the truth to people when they were able to bear it. He loaded them, but he did not overload them. He spoke the truths they were ready to hear, which gets us to our sermon. I'd like to make some applications and observations about not overloading the people around us. Please first turn back a few pages to John chapter 3. Just a few pages back to John chapter 3. Here's number one. Everybody needs to hear the truth about their need for Jesus Christ as Savior. Everybody needs to hear the truth about their need to have Christ as Savior. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is a condemnation 
that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now probably most everyone here is familiar with verse 16. It is probably the most famous verse in the Bible. Many think it to be the greatest verse in the Bible of the 31,000 plus verses in the Bible. But people are not as familiar with the next couple of sentences Jesus spoke, and they're actually linked back with verse 16. In verse 17, He makes clear that the purpose of His first coming was to save rather than condemn the world. There's a day coming when Jesus in judgment will condemn the world, but that day hasn't arrived yet. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Notice in verse 18, those who believe in Christ are not condemned, but anyone who refuses to believe is condemned already. Notice in verse 19, and this is a condemnation, light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And I've got that last partial sentence uh, underlined in my Bible because it is the reason why people who know about Christ refuse to repent and believe and receive Him as Savior. Uh, they want to keep in their sins. Men love darkness. People, by and large, when they hear about Christ, if they don't repent, if they don't turn to Christ, it's because they don't want to change. They would prefer to live in the darkness of their sins and do what they want to do than live in the light of the cross and the light of the Lord Jesus Christ and have to try to follow their Creator. Do you pay any attention? So when it's a good time to tell someone the truth or just blurt it out. Hey, hear me when I say God loves you. God reaches out to you through Christ. The depth of God's love is on display in giving His Son. But hear me, if you refuse to believe, if you refuse to receive Him, if you refuse to humble yourself, to repent and call upon Christ, understand that you are condemned already. You say, well, not me. Yes, you. What, what you believe, or I believe, it doesn't change the truth. The truth is the truth. In fact, this message that Jesus spoke here about those who don't believe being condemned already, uh, John the Baptist basically said the same thing in a little bit different words. Look at verse 36 of chapter 3. These are something that John the Baptist said. He said, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Whether you like it or not, the wages of sin is death. Whether you like it or not, if you've refused to believe in Christ, you're sitting there condemned. Whether you like it or not, uh, if you refuse to believe on Christ, the wrath of God is abiding on you. The sentence has been passed. And the only thing is how long it'll take for it to happen. See, God loves you, but He will not overlook your sins. God loves you, but He will not overlook you rejecting His only begotten Son. God loves you, but He will not turn a blind eye to your sinful behavior. God loves you, but if you go through life without Christ, you'll not only miss the blessing of having Christ in your life, you will die in your sins and open your eyes in the flames of hell. And despite the strength of the fact that I believe that, I, I do not believe that people in our family or workplace need us to witness to them every time we see them. 
I do believe they need us praying for them by name several times a week. And I believe God uses those prayers to prepare the soil of their heart to receive the seed of the gospel. And by the way, when you're praying for somebody that's immediately in your circle of life like that, you will know when God wants you to speak the truth to them. Listen, I believe that people need us to share the gospel with them clearly. And if they choose to reject Christ after that, what they need is for us to just as clearly demonstrate the fact that we care about them even though we strongly disagree with what they believe and what they do. By the way, once you've clearly witnessed to someone, why do you need to repeat yourself? I'm not talking about someone who's trying to figure things out and comes to a Bible-preaching church week after week trying to decide whether they want to turn to Christ. I'm talking about you as a Christian pretending that the gospel is a baseball bat. And that everybody who is ever in the circle of your life, it's your job to club them. Can I just say that is not like Christ. See, Brother Wallace, do you believe you can witness to people too much or at the wrong time? Yes. I actually believe when someone visits Bible Baptist Church, it's not your job as a member here to corner them and jam the gospel down their throat, just like happens in some churches. Listen, I put the gospel in every message. Oh, you know what they need from you? How about a smile? How about some warmth? How about you making them feel welcome here regardless of where they've been, what they look like? You want to adorn the gospel of Christ? You want to adorn the truth? You know, a smile does a great job. And though it's possible to witness to some people too often, I actually believe our error is usually not witnessing to people too much. It's far more not witnessing to them at all. And people need to hear the truth of Christ. Salvation is by grace. The truth they need to repent. The truth, they need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, you're here this morning, and I simply ask you in as personal a way as I can, from up here to you down there, have you ever personally called on the Lord? Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you humbled yourself as a guilty sinner to call upon Christ and ask Him to forgive you? And if you ever have had that experience in your life, and if it was ever real, whether you were 5 or 95, it left your heart different. And if not, this morning is a good time to be saved. And in just a couple of moments, we'll invite you to come to Christ. It might be a hard truth to hear, but it's never too much to hear that you need Jesus and to humbly repent and put your faith in Him. Which gets us to our second thing this morning. Please go in your Bible to Matthew chapter 12. Say, Brother Wally, why do you waste time in every message putting the gospel in it? Listen, if you have to ask that question, then you think too much of the sermons about you. I'm not here to entertain you. I mean, there's people here, you've heard over the course of your life, you've heard 10,000 sermons. I'm not trying to out-preach anybody. I'm trying to share with you some truth from the Word of God that I believe God's Spirit will use to help you and glorify Christ. Which gets us to our second thing. 
I said first, everybody needs to hear the truth of their need for Christ. Here's number two. Our words matter a lot to God. And they matter to people too. Jesus here in Matthew chapter 12, notice what He says in verse 36. He says, but I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Well, let me ask you, does Jesus make our words important? Yes or no? Yeah, obviously. There's a lot of people in here, and you think, well, as long as you say it, but don't do anything, it doesn't matter. That's false. I remember having a conversation with one of our construction contractors, and you know, for those of you who've been around construction workers, I would make the general observation, though not universally true, it's a fairly profane group. Again, I know it's not universally true, but generally speaking, construction workers are a pretty profane group. And one of the men that spent some time here, like most of the others, you know, he just used profanity all the time. He said, Brother Wally, don't you stop them from using profanity in your presence? No. You can go ahead and be that way, but I'm not. Listen, my, my words have heard, my ears have heard profanity before. I'm far more concerned about you speaking profanity than hearing it. Listen, if somebody knows you and they don't fix their profanity around you, A, you have a bad, much worse testimony than you think about, or B, their heart's a lot harder than you think it might be. Well, this particular individual was using a bunch of profanity, and, and by this time I had gotten to know him pretty well, and, and so I made some smart aleck remark. I don't remember exactly what it was. It might have been, you kiss your mama with that mouth, or you kiss your grandchildren with that mouth. Just some smart aleck remark like that, and I know it, I, I shouldn't be sarcastic and cutting like that, but eh. And he basically just told me he didn't think his words matter that much. And I basically quoted these Bible verses to him. I, I didn't do this kind of thing with our construction workers most. Mostly I just tried to be a good person to work with. But I knew him a little bit better, and he'd said that. And I said, you know, according to Jesus, our words matter a lot. In fact, they will either justify or condemn you on judgment day. There's a reason the wise man said, in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Proverbs 10.19 There's a reason lying is listed and condemned in the ten most basic commandments. If you hate it when someone lies to you, what do you think our holy God thinks? Listen, you, you, there's a reason one of the ten most basic moral commandments has to do with blasphemy, using God's name in vain. Listen, you wouldn't use your mother's name in vain. You ever notice nobody blasphemes in the name of Allah or Shiva or Brahman or any of those? Why, does, why when everybody blasphemes, do they blaspheme in the name of the God of the Bible? There's a reason the Bible says all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. And the Bible in God's hateless list, uh, lying lips among those seven abominable things. 
There's a reason Ephesians chapter 4 says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Here's why. Because God values words highly. And some people are careless with their words, but God takes our words seriously and holds us accountable. That doesn't excuse this, but far too often in churches... Gossip and backstabbing, backbiting, the Bible word for it, is just overlooked. God doesn't overlook that. See, Jesus understood whatever He said to His disciples would impact them because words matter. So He was careful about what He said. Let me ask you, are you careful about what you say? Careful about what you say when you're angry? Careful about what you say when you're tired or you're in an argument? Is what you say just about you? Is your goal of conversation just to get something off your chest? Listen, that's a bad goal in conversation. To be like Jesus is to have our conversation be about what's helpful and good for the people around us. You see, when we recognize the deep impact our words have on other people, we become more careful about what we say to them. You treat your words like they matter. Does speaking the truth matter so much to you that you're careful how and to whom and when you speak it? Which gets to our last thing, number three. We need to consider the load limit of those to whom we speak. It doesn't mean people will always agree with the truth we speak. Listen, people didn't always agree with the truth Jesus spoke. In fact, some of the things He said they hated. Hear me when I say our spouse is not always ready to hear some truth from us. Other times they're more open. You see, us speaking the truth to our spouse isn't just about us, it's about helping and building them. Do you ever as a spouse pray for discernment and trust the Lord with what and when you should say to your partner? You may not agree with this, but I do not believe it is my job as the leader of my wife to correct everything I think she needs to fix. (laughs) I'm not implying there aren't occasions when I've offered correction. I'm just saying those times are few and far between. My first job in my relationship with my wife is not to correct her, it's to love and honor her. Listen, sometimes our children are open and ready to hear the truth from us. Other times they're not as open and not ready. Have you ever recognized that one of the ways God protects children is He lets them hear things, but they have no understanding? By the way, that's one of the reasons I think you should, if you can, have your children here on Sunday nights to let God take the parts of that message that are for them, dawn upon them, and as God gives them understanding, let them grow. Listen, I know as a parent, part of our job, it is to protect our children. And part of our job as a parent is to know when to let them hear things so we can help them through it. Listen, keeping them from too much as well as allowing too much both hurt our children. But it's not just about spouses and children. Sometimes Christian people are open and ready to hear some truth, and other times they're not ready. 
Like I said earlier, one of the things that I really struggle with is whether I should talk to someone about something or not. If I bring my concern to them too soon, then they're not ready. And the fact of the matter is, is very few of you come to me and ask what I think. I'm very cautious about it because truth loads us and truth at the wrong time overloads us. By the way, that's one of the reasons I try to be careful what I say from the pulpit. Uh, for those of you who've heard me much uh, for a while, you'll have a pretty good idea when I left my notes. Now that might be your favorite part of, of, of my message, or it might be the part of my message where you're thinking to yourself, oh my, here he goes. I don't know what he's going to say today. I'm just doing the best I can. But I will say this, I'm a lot better at communicating truth carefully when I've planned what I'm going to say. Listen, truth always loads us, but when we're following the Holy Spirit, it does not overload those who hear us. And so I ask you this morning, are you someone who's considering whether or not what you say will load or overload someone around you? You see, speaking the truth in love involves helping those to whom we speak. It's not just about us or what we think or what we feel. You'd quietly stand.